Man, Connection Point Church, I'm so excited to be back live with you, and it's so encouraging as I look just at some of the comments while we were worshiping. Uh, and Megan, I think you uh, start us off really well, uh, just with focuses, um, focusing. Megan said, uh, she just quoted Isaiah 26.3. She said, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And I couldn't think of a better way to start off this sermon because this series we are talking about is all about focusing on God. We are going to be training Days. And what I mean by training days is we are going to be prepping every day for the big day because there are big days ahead of us. Some days are going to be good. Some of the big days are great days. Some of the big days, though, are you know, hard days. There are going to be days where you graduate from college or, or your kids are, are sent off to college. There are days when you have a birthday or you get a promotion, but there are also hard days. There are days when we have to struggle through bad news. Maybe you have a, a big day that, that just hits you really hard and it changes everything. You know, as, as, I, was, as I was prepping for this series uh, on the idea of just these moments, these big days that just change a lot about our lives, one of the stories that came to my mind was from a book I read a few months ago. It's called Into the Fire, and it's a story of Dakota Meyer. Now, Dakota Meyer was given the Congressional Medal of Honor. In fact, he is uh, one of the only living recipients of this medal. And on the day he was given this medal, he said something that really caught my attention. People ask him, why are you not excited about this day? Why are you not excited about getting this medal? And he said, how can the best day of my life be a day that simply reminds me of the worst day of my life? You see, the worst day of Dakota Meyer's life was on September 8th, 2009. On that day, he had been reprimanded from his team in Afghanistan in the Ganjagal Valley. And so he was back away from uh, a meeting that was about to happen, but an ambush occurred and his entire team was ambushed. They were either pinned down or killed. And as many, many American and uh, Afghan fighters began to pursue the enemy and, and save these men, they all began to be pushed down. They began uh, to be just killed and, and held down. And Dakota Meyer, on his own, he broke orders and he decided on his own he was going to go into this battle. And one man versus over a hundred of, of the enemy, this one man decides he is going to go in and save his team. And he goes through this gauntlet of gunfire and machine gun and mortar fires. He goes through not once, not twice. He goes into the fire five times. He saved over a dozen people simply through his courage. And when he was asked about why he would do this, why dozens and dozens of, of men were saved because he risked his life, he said something very interesting. He said, you know, every day in the Marine Corps, we're told, we're trained that we are the best. And whether that's true, I don't know, but we are told it every day. And every single day we are taught about accountability that we're going to be there for our brother on their worst day. And then what other choice did I have? And so you see, for Dakota Meyer, every day in the Marine Corps was prepping for the one day. And that's the way it is for all of us. We may not know it, but every day is a training day. Every day we are prepping for the one day that may change everything, whether it's good or bad. Now, some of us, another day might come to, come to mind. For me, I think about March 11th, 2020. Y'all remember that day? Because on that day, I was on spring break. I was pretty excited. I was just chilling out. And then all of a sudden, I got news that the NBA had canceled the season. 
And as soon as the NBA canceled the season, I thought, this is kind of crazy. And then immediately, almost the, uh, the very next day, Wiley ISD and all the ISDs shut down and said, hey, good news, kids. Spring break's going a little longer this year. And, and we, we learned we weren't going back to school. And then I started getting notes that notices that the church was going to have to go online. We couldn't meet. People weren't going into work. They were going to have to start uh, living the Zoom life, if you know what that is. And, and, and I just, I remember that day of, of March 11th and how the next day it was different. Everything had happened. And what we found out is that some of us were not prepared. And in fact, as we've ridden the ups and downs, some of us have been gripped by anxiety. Some of us find ourselves further from the Lord than we've been in a long time. And so this series is all about getting us back to the mindset that Christ has for us, that we are going to focus our mind on training days, on prepping for the things that God has called us to. And this is kind of a different series. I want to let you know, I've done everything I can to make sure that we can go all in on God's word. And so we have some resources that I want to point to your attention. There's some things I really want us to do for the month of July. First of all, at connectionpoint.life, you're going to notice uh, you can go there and find some resources for this series. This series, Training Days, um, we're going to go through the book of 1 Peter, which is actually a letter. And we're going to go through this. So I made a study guide so that you can, on your own, you can go through and learn a little bit about this letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to the church. And not only in that study guide can you find a little background information on the letter, but you can also find some ways to help talk about this with your kid. You can also find some uh, curriculum for your small groups, for your connect groups. So if your connect group is going to try to meet live, you can take that, that uh, disciple guide. And by the way, it's kind of like this. This is a study guide. I printed mine out because I'm an overachiever. And really, we just want you to be able to go all in on studying this book for the month of July. Some other uh, resources that we have for you. Uh, we're going to, first of all, encourage you at the end of this message, I'm going to be encouraging uh, you to, to let us know in the comments how you are going to spend July training your mind, prepping your mind with God's word. And so Ashley Green is going to come on at the end of this service, and she's just going to read some of the favorite comments or some of the comments that she's seen on how you are going to apply this message. So I encourage you guys to be interacting in this message. And then she's also going to pick one person who comments on uh, how they're going to apply this message. And she's going to, um, and we're going to send you pizza. Hey, hey. Yay. No, yay. Okay. No excitement in the studio, but hey, we're going to, um, we are going to give uh, one comment, the comment of the day, we'll call it for Ashley. She's going to decide that at the end. Uh, do not, uh, kiss up to Ashley during my message, though. Focus on Jesus, okay? Um, but we really want to do everything we can so that you are prepared for whatever lies ahead in the days to come. July is all about training day. So let's jump into this letter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 1 is where we're going to start just to learn a little bit about what's going on here. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those elect in the dispersion. And so what that means is that Peter, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, now when we use that word apostle, this is what we mean. Apostle in the biblical sense, now I know that some people might call themselves an apostle now. In the biblical sense, an apostle is someone who was sent out directly from Jesus. That word actually means sent out ones, people who were sent out. And so an apostle is somebody who, who knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, um, trained under Jesus, and was sent out by Jesus. 
And, and so you have some people like the Apostle Paul, you have some people that go for the first time into an area, into a new country, and they're considered apostles. Now, the number one apostle by far was the Apostle Peter. He was the best friend of Jesus, and he was the one that Jesus says on this rock. In fact, Peter is actually just a nickname. Peter, his real name is, is Simeon or Simon. And Jesus said in Aramaic, I'm going to call you Cephas, which is translated to uh, Petros in Greek. And, and, and that just means rock because Jesus says, you are going to be my rock. And so he's really the number one apostle. And so he sends this letter to the dispersion, the diaspora, the people who had been scattered about by persecution. And they had been persecuted for many things. And Peter, the number one apostle, just says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write out a letter. And I just want to send this to the people who may be struggling right now with their faith in Christ. In fact, if you want to know specifically why he wrote this, let's go to the, the very last chapter of this letter. In chapter 5, verse 12, he says, By Silvanus, that's Silas, that was one of his friends. And Silas is actually writing the letter while Peter dictates it. But I want you to notice this. He says, I've written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So this word exhorting, the word exhort means to encourage. And so Peter says, I want to write a letter to those who are scattered about, who are struggling, and I want to encourage them. What does that word encourage mean? Here's an easy way to, to remember it. It means to put courage in. Peter says, I want to put courage in. And that's my hope for this series is that all of us who maybe we, we've just kind of been getting by through the last few months, I want to put some courage into you. Maybe you look at your family and you've never prayed with your kids. Maybe you think that would be awkward to read the scriptures with my wife. Well, I want to put some courage into you. Maybe if you're uh, going to work and you always think, you know what, I need to live my faith stronger. I want to put some courage into you in July and stop just, just kind of holding on and hoping that we make it through. I want us to truly, truly view every day as preparing for a day in which God may put an opportunity in front of us. Today is not a neutral day. Today is a day in which we can go close, grow closer to the Lord. All right. Now, each, uh, each week in this series, we're going to look at a, at a specific day that may be coming ahead for us. And today, we're going to talk about the day of trials. You may not know it. You may think you're already in it. But the day of trials, Peter says, is coming for us. In verse 6, this is what he says. He says, in this you rejoice. And when he says, in this you rejoice, he's talking about the salvation. The fact that you are following Christ, you should rejoice. He says, though now there is a little while, he says, if necessary, you're going to be grieved with various trials. Now, one of the things you need to remember as a Christian is you're never promised that you're going to prosper. That's never the problem. We hear that a lot. We want to prosper. A lot of us have lived lives of prosperities, and that's the blessing of God. But the truth is, is that God promises us that we can endure, not that we will always prosper. And in times of trials, sometimes we're going to simply endure, and that is the blessing of God. Now, at the time Peter's writing, you think our situation's bad? It's pretty bad, but I'll tell you, theirs was maybe even worse. 
You see, they had political strife. They had racial strife. They had economic tension. They had church persecution. They had a man named Nero at this time who was reigning over Rome. And Nero had done some things that uh, might catch the, the headlines of uh, the latest CNN or Fox News uh, um, news cycle. You see, he had had his mother killed. He had uh, killed many of his family members and many of his political enemies, just blatantly killed them. And then he had emptied out the treasury on a lot of bad economic policies, so they were broke. And in order to refill the treasury, he went on a violent rampage in order to steal, basically, and take back. And so it was a hard time to be in Rome. In fact, when eventually Nero is going to take his own life, when he sees uh, that, that his reign is about to come to an end, instead of voting out, he kind of votes himself out, and he commits suicide. And the year that he commits suicide, listen to this, a civil war occurs that year, and then four different emperors take the throne and are defeated. Can you imagine if in one year it wasn't, I mean, it was like they lived in 2020 every year of Nero's reign, basically. And, and can you imagine going through four presidents in one year? You think this, I mean, this year has been chaos. I can't imagine. Some of you are like, hey, we might as well try as many as we can, right? Now, what's interesting about this, though, is that uh, there was not just the political and all the outside pressures, there was also pressures just being a Christ follower because Nero would do something that was very, very inhumane. He would take Christians and he, ha he had this beautiful garden and he would have parties in this garden. And what he would do is he would put Christians on pikes, that is, he would impale them on sticks and he would light their bodies on fire. And that's how he would light up his gardens when he would have these parties is he would use Christians, their bodies, and he would burn them. So it was a very, very hard time to be a Christian. And so, as you can see, there's a lot of outside pressure. But as we found out this year, the, the pressures and the, and the trials that we face aren't just from outside. In fact, all of the outside tensions, really what they do is magnify the inside tensions. When the economy's bad and the political parties are divided and everything seems to be caving in on us, what that does is it makes our own problems get even more magnified. And so... Some of you, like some of them, also were going through personal trials. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've got bad, a bad diagnosis of, uh, of some disease, maybe cancer or even COVID or something like that, and it's brought this sense of fear onto you. Maybe you look at your relationships and you see that you're losing control of your relationships, and it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to believe and to trust in God when the world seems to be caving in and your world inside is caving in. And so that's who he's talking to. He's saying, listen, we know there's a lot of trials going. And in fact, in verse seven, you can go read that later. He actually says, this is testing your faith that this is gonna prove to be a good thing. In fact, he says, one of the most valuable things, more valuable than silver and gold, may be that you're gonna go through testing and you're gonna really figure out what your faith really is. And so I want to just encourage you that no matter what days of trials are coming ahead, Peter gives us hope. Okay, and so the question we're going to ask today is, how do we train ourselves for the days of trial? How do we train ourselves for the coming day of trial? And it may have already come, and there may be more that are on their way, but how can we be prepared? How can we make sure that the things we do today, that on that, ba on that bad day, on that hard day, on the worst day, that oh, we're not going to crumble, we're going to stand firm in the faith like Peter told us? Well, there's several things that, I, that I, we can look into this uh, chapter and we can find out. The first thing is this. We must train our minds for action. In fact, in the studio audience, let's say that together. We must train our minds for action. 
Now, this is what Peter says in verse 13. Peter says, therefore, preparing your minds for action. You wonder where I got that point from, right? I'm a genius. Preparing our minds for action, being sober-minded. The first thing he says we're going to do is we're going to train our minds for action. So I want to first of all talk about what it means to prepare our minds. And we need to understand that worshiping God, loving God, isn't just about singing songs and getting our emotions caught up. That over and over again, the Bible tells us we've got to love God with our minds. In fact, Jesus specifically quotes the Old Testament. And what does he say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Okay? And so it's something that we do. We want to sometimes get our emotions caught and our heart caught up. That's great. And a good song and just a, a worshipful moment. That is great. But there's also a time in which we need to focus our minds, prepare our minds. I was thinking about Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your, the renewing of your minds. That's right. And so as, as our minds are renewed, Paul says that that's going to show us the good, pleasing, the acceptable will of God. So we don't want to live lives as if our minds are not engaged, are not focused on God and the will of God, especially if we know hard days may be coming. Now, one of the, the words that he uses here to kind of tell us what it looks like to prepare our minds for action, he says, being sober-minded. Sober-minded is one of the ways we prepare our minds. Now, you know what the word sober means, but one of the easy ways to figure out what a word means is to think about the op opposite. What is the opposite of sober? Drunk. Drunk. Okay, John Williams knew that right off the bat. The rest of us were kind of confused because we're Christians and all, but John over here immediately knew what it was. Thanks, John. Now, that's right. Drunk would be the opposite of sober. I don't know about you. Have you ever been around someone who was drunk? Now, it's been, I'm going to be honest, it's been a while for me, but I remember back in college, I had a friend, and I'm just, I'm not going to give his name, but this friend uh, on occasions would get drunk, and when he got drunk, he was so confident that he was a better person than he was when he was not drunk. In fact, he would do ridiculous things, and, say, and he would make comments like, you know what, I actually can drive better, think better, study better when I'm, I'm drunk because I focus more. That's what he would tell me. And you know what I would be thinking the whole time somebody says something ridiculous like that is you are the least aware person I've probably ever engaged in talking to right now because when someone is drunk, they think they're making sense. They think they're making wise decisions, but everyone else looks and says, that is ridiculous. That is not the type of person I want to be. In fact, when I think about this word, be sober-minded, I, I think about being emotional. Sometimes being emotional is like being drunk. Being emotional, we think that we're reacting, okay, we we're looking at the news, we're looking at social media, and we're just getting so emotional. And what we need to realize is we think we're being rational. But to the outside world, they think, oh my gosh, these people are crazy. What, Paul, what Peter calls us to instead is he says, listen, you need to prepare your minds so that when your trials come or when something that would normally put most people into a panic, you want your mind to be prepared. Now, he says this word prepared for action. Now, the King James, when it says prepared for action, the King James says this perfectly. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, what does that mean? You see, they would, uh, at that time, the men would wear a tunic, 
And so whenever they were going to actually have to take action, when they were going to go to war, if they had to run, what they would do is they would take that tunic and they would tuck it into their belt. And they called that girding up their loins. So Paul says, that's what we need to get our minds girded, prepared to start running, to start training. It is time for action. And so when we think about uh, the last few months If we're honest, some of us have just been kind of waiting it out. That's kind of my mentality for the first few months is I was like, let's just hold on. Let's just get through this. Uh, My gym closed. And for the first few weeks, I was like, okay, I'm not going to work out. I'll just ride this out. And eventually it'll open back up and we'll get going again. But it didn't happen. And eventually I started gaining some weight. I got a little bigger and I realized I've got to start training. I've actually got to start working out and eating right now. I can no longer wait to start training. We kind of had the same mentality in the church. If you remember on March 11th, March 10th, we were prepping for a campaign in which we were going to try to reach as many people for the gospel as we could. We were going to try to to reach 220 people, which we're still going to, 220 people in 2020. We were going to be light to the world. And then when the pandemic started, we just kind of made the decision, we're going to put this on hold. We're just going to hold on for a little bit and and we're going to ride this out. And and there came a time, in fact, the time now for July, we've just decided, you know what? Time is ready to prepare for action. We cannot wait any longer. If you wait for the big day, it is too late. You know, last Sunday, I had the privilege of watching my friend, uh, John Williams, walk his daughter down the aisle. And, uh, and I saw him do a goofy dance as well, which was awesome as well. But one of the things when John walked Stacy down the aisle is he made sure that he was taking the moment in. And I would watch him as he would take moments and stop. And Stacy was focused on her husband-to-be, Seth. She was focused on getting down there. But John was taking it in, and he would look at Stacy. And you know, I, I promise you what did not happen before he started that walk is John did not say, hey, before we go down there, I want to tell you some things about Jesus. I want to tell you how to be a godly woman. I want to tell you what to look for in a godly man. You see, if John would have waited till the wedding day, it would have been too late to pour into his daughter. Instead, he knew that every day of her life was a training day. Every day was preparing her for that day. And that's what Paul is saying is you got to prepare your minds, be sober-minded, realize that this is not the time to to put on Netflix and just zone out. This is not veg out time for us. As Christ followers, this is the time where we've got to say, I've got to be in the word. I've got to be doing what God has called me to do. Now, the next thing that I want to encourage us to do is we have got to train ourselves to hope in Jesus train ourselves to hope in Jesus because a lot of us, we get up and we are looking everywhere for hope. And Paul says, listen, get your mind right. Get your mind ready. And then what you need to do is realize your hope is not out there. Every time I look out and I see us begin to, to storm and take action and think that we've, got to, that we've got to take action out there, outside the church, outside of our homes, that that's where the real change is going to happen. I think back to the story of the, of the apostle Peter. You know, Peter used to have that mindset that, hey, I got to make things happen. I'm, I'm going to have to make things happen if they're going to happen. In fact, there's one time in Peter's life where Jesus is about to get arrested and Peter decides, you know what, this is the time I'm a disciple. I'm going to take a stand. He picks up a sword and he cuts off the ear of a, a soldier about to try to arrest Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter and he says this. He says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Understand that there's some of us 
right now in the last few months that because we've been emotional, because we haven't been focused in training our minds, preparing our minds in a godly manner, we've been living by the sword whether we realize it or not. We've been thinking that it's up to us to make change throughout the world. Well, Peter says, and remember, Peter, someone after this, he saw Jesus go off to the cross. He saw him crucified and he saw him rise from the dead. And so as Peter lives out his days, he lives out his days knowing that there is a power stronger than him picking up a sword. There's a power stronger, and that is him living out his faith every day, knowing that Jesus Christ can conquer the grave, knowing that he saw Jesus walking around, then crucified, and then he saw him walk out of a grave, and there's nothing in Peter's life that was more powerful than the risen Christ. You know, as the church, our focus should be on Jesus. We must train ourselves in the hope to hope in Jesus, okay? And that's what verse 13 says. Let's go back to verse 13. It says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is ultimately going to make the change in our life. And as Christians, we should be living so much focus on the risen Christ that we love one another. We're going next door. All the things we do when we set our minds on Christ, our focus on Christ, draws people to a love that they do not see when we storm the streets, when we go outside, inside the church should look like a piece of heaven. And that only happens when we train our minds. There's a quote that I love. It's by G.K. Chesterton. This is what it says. It says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. You know, the truth is, is that many of us think we're living the Christian life, but anything comes at us and we take our eyes right off Jesus. So I want to encourage us in July, we're going to set our mind on Christ, focus ourselves on Christ. Now, the next thing that I want to show us in this text is that we must train ourselves to know and obey God's word. Let's look at this next verse. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, you used to do that. You used to, to have your passions go however you felt. You used to always get worried whenever you got bad news. You used to always think the world was in chaos. But now you're obedient children. You have something. You have the scriptures. You have the word of God. You have the presence of Christ in your life. You have the Holy Spirit you should never be going back to a life of just your passions, okay? Of just doing whatever feels right. And so when we think about this, you got to know how to use God's word. You have to be able to use the word of God so that you can be obedient. There's a movie from the mid-90s that uh, there's a scene in this movie. The movie was called The Quick and the Dead. It's got Sharon Stone. It's got Leonardo DiCaprio. It's got, I don't know, give me a, give me a praise hands if you've seen the movie. If the rest of y'all, I don't know, maybe you do some homework. Now, no one here has seen the movie. That's okay. Um, but obscure references is kind of my forte, let's be real. Uh, or some would say references that nobody knows what I'm talking about is my, kind of my forte. So there's this scene in this movie, and it's the, the character... Uh, uh, played by Gene Hackman comes and he's hanging a man. Now, Gene Hackman's the bad guy. He, he's going to hang a man unjustly. So he hangs this man. He's got this man hanging and the man is, has got his feet on a stool and he brings the man's daughter in front of him. And he puts the daughter right in front of her, her father who is hanging. And if he just moves a little bit, he's going to, to lose his life. And Gene Hackman does something just dastardly. He takes a pistol and he puts it in the girl's hand and he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you three chances to free your father. 
He says, if you can point that at the rope and if you shoot that rope, I promise you, if you can shoot that rope and break that rope with a bullet, I promise you, I'll let you and your father go. And this girl begins to tremble and the father begins to to try to calm her down. And he's actually telling her how to use the gun. And he says, you need to pull the hammer back and, and aim it a little higher, a little higher. And the girl just closes her eyes and she puts her hand. And I can tell you, it does not go well. In fact, though the events of that, she actually shoots her father. And as she kills her father, those events stay with her for the rest of her life. And this is what I want you to know. It is that that gun is not neutral. It is either going to save his life or take his life. You know, the word of God is not neutral. It is either going to help you or hurt you. It is either going to convict you of your sin or convince you of your savior. And what I want us to realize is that there are some men in our church who don't know how to wield properly the word of God. There are some people in our church who don't train every single day with the weapon that God has given us. And we leave it sitting. And when we do that, we're acting as if it is neutral, but it is not neutral. The word of God is not neutral. Every day that we are not training for our trial, there's going to come a day in which our trial hits and we are not prepared. So my hope for this entire sermon is that we will be prepared. It astounds me the number of people who say my hope is in Christ and the day of their trial comes and they don't even look to the cross simply because they did not train in God's word. So here's what we're going to do for July. July is all about getting us back on track, training days. I'm going to put back these resources on here. Connectionpoint.life, here's what we've got for you, okay? There's a study guide on there. I want you to to download that study guide. You can also text that. If you want just to get a leg up and you want emails, if you text the word ROCK to 214-919-3407, you text the word ROCK, you can fill out a form, and it will give you in your inbox at 7 a.m., just five days. I won't... I won't text you or do anything else with, with that number. I'm just going to send you some help on First Peter to get you going this week, just, just one week of devotions so that you can begin digging into God's word. Now, also at ConnectionPoint.life, you can find our kids' curriculum. And we have gone all in in July to make sure that we have your kids' experience as best we can possible. But understand, it's up to you as a parent. It's on you. You're going to have to be the one that trains your children, prepares your children. And so what you can do is you can go to ConnectionPoint.life. You can find it also um, posted on Facebook or on YouTube. And I want you today at some point to watch that video. Ashley is in character. She does a really good job. And they go through the Sermon on the Mount. And you can just watch that and have a conversation with your kid when you watch that. And then here's my challenge for you this week. Every single day, I want you to have dinner with your family. If it's just you, you still use that time. And I want you to put a physical Bible, looks like this, okay? I want you to put that on your dinner table, leave it on your dinner table this week. And every day this week, maybe you take a passage from 1 Peter. Maybe if you've got kids, you take a passage from the curriculum this week from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. Just take one verse and ask your kids, what does this mean? How can we live this out this week? I really want to encourage us to make sure that we are training ourselves this week. Let's get in the word. 
Now, the good news, why would I do all this, Joel? Why should I try? The world is in chaos. Why should I do all this? Here's the, something you're going to see every single week. Every chapter, Peter ends with a message, and this is simply the message. Jesus wins the day. Jesus wins the day. So we work hard. We're going to prepare to do all this stuff. But look what it says in verse 18. It says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. So all the things you were taught and you try to raise up, those things aren't going to always stand at the trial, but you have been ransomed. This word ransom is great. Paul is using a word that whenever uh, a war would break out, sometimes those, the enemy would take a, a slave or a family. Basically, he would, he would take them in captive. And, and when he took them captive, he would, then they would go to their family and say, hey, if you want your, your family member back, you can pay for them. You can buy them back. So some of us, we've been living a life through this pandemic or for the, few, the, the last few months, we've been living a life where we, we are enslaved. We are held captive. Maybe you're held captive right now through just a, 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 a feeling of fear and anxiety. Maybe it's been a depression and you have been held captive from that. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe there's just been a lot of what can we do, apathy. And that's holding you captive. It's keeping you back, held back. I got good news for you. No matter what sin you're struggling with, no matter what makes you think that you're not worth it, you're not, that's, that's, that's holding you captive, Jesus Christ has ransomed you. Look what it says. It says, you were ransomed, not with perishable things, not with things of no value like silver or gold. Those things are worth nothing compared to the precious blood of Christ. He uses this word precious seven times in this letter. The precious blood of Christ. You see, Jesus Christ bought your life with his blood. And the first thing we do is realize the reason that we prepare our minds, the reason that we are going to spend these days as training days is not to achieve something. It's because we have already been ransomed. We have been saved and we want the world to know how great Jesus is. In fact, today, if you want to make a decision, I, I want to do that. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give, I want my life to be ransomed. You can just let us know in the comments. You can reach out to me as well. If you just say, hey, I want to walk with Christ, somebody's going to reach out to you and follow up with you this week in the comments. But I just want to give you hope that as we train our minds in the month of July, we have the precious blood of Christ that has ransomed, up, ransomed us and given us hope. So here's how I want us to close this message. I want us to look at 1 Peter verse 24. Okay, 1 Peter verse 24. In fact, I'm going to ask y'all in studio here, if y'all would stand up with me. At home, uh, if you would type in I'm standing and then a wink to let me know that you're really not standing, but you're playing along, that would be helpful. And I want to know in the comments how you are going to apply this. What are you going to do in July for training days? Because we have this great reminder, and I'm going to read the first part, and then together in the studio and also at, at, at your house, we're going to read the second part here. But he says, all flesh, that is our lives, our flesh is like grass. And the glory, the best things that happen to us in this life, in our flesh, they're like the, the flower of grass. So let's say this together, okay? The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That is the truth. The word of the Lord remains forever. Connection Point Church, let's pray that God will move in our lives this month in Connection Point Church as we begin our training days. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we are not alone in this world. You have ransomed us by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ.
But Lord, most of all, I pray that instead of us being apathetic or just going through life, I pray that this is a motivation that we can do whatever we can to let other people know how good you are. And in the chaos of the, of the stress outside, and even in the chaos of the trials that we face inside of our own lives, that we have a hope that we want to set our eyes on, and that is you, Jesus Christ. So this month, we're going to prepare our minds for action. We are going to make sure that we are training in the Word of God. And Lord, we know that you are going to start a movement in the lives of the people at Connection Point Church and all the people who are watching this message, whether live or later on. Lord, you're going to start a powerful, powerful move of God as we begin our training days. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.